Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. Y'all, the good news this morning is that Reverend Tara Wilkins is in the house. As y'all know, Reverend Tara is the executive director of the Community of Welcoming Congregations, which has grown to 125 faith organizations in Oregon and Southern Washington from a little tiny spark a long time ago. That is a lot of churches. And when she isn't being a champion for justice for LGBT people and for all of us, she is the pastor of Bridgeport United Church of Christ. Reverend Tara is also a longtime friend of this meeting. She has been a mentor and a supporter to West Hills Friends for many years. One of the first people to reach out to us after we were released from Northwest Yearly Meeting was Reverend Tara, and she preached such an inspiring message just to me over the phone that <laughs> I had tears in my eyes, and I said, I wish everybody in my church could hear what you just said. Well, here she is. Thank you, Katie. You're such a, a rock star, a wonderful witness of God's love and, uh, and a great leader in the church, and I'm proud to work alongside you. And it's great to see you all. It's been a while since I've been with you on a Sunday morning, but uh, it's wonderful to be here. Um, before I share a few marks, I'd like to continue on in the Gospel of John from where Katie left off, uh, beginning at verse 35 in chapter 6. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. I am the bread of life, Jesus uses this image of bread and life as the most basic element of our sustenance, of our ability to be alive. 
And he, he declares that he is the bread that we all need. Prior to the passage that Katie read was the feeding of the 5,000, as many of you read. But there was starting to be a rumbling, and Jesus was getting nervous because the authorities were going to come and get him. So he moves away from the crowds, and people keep approaching him because they want to see these miracles. Perform another miracle. Teacher, show us another miracle. And they quote that passage about Moses getting the manna in heaven. And he said, the the miracle was not from Moses. The miracle was God. And in this case, he's saying, the miracle is me. That God is present right in front of them. And people struggle to see him there. Another passage where he uses this notion of bread is one of my favorite in all of scripture. It's, when, it's after the resurrection where he greets the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And isn't that so true how God often meets us when we're on the way to somewhere else? Right? And the disciples don't recognize him. And later that night when he joins them for a meal, he, he blesses the bread and he breaks it. And he's made known to them. It is in the breaking of the bread that God is made known. It is in when we are broken, open, that we see God. When we are vulnerable is where we meet God on that road. Which is exactly, precisely what you all have done. You have been willing to be broken open with God's love and to take a position that sometimes the church doesn't understand. And in that breaking open, you have seen the face of God. There was a show on CBS about 10 years ago called Joan of Arcadia. Do any of you remember that show? Do you remember it? It was about a a high school group of misfits who uh, were going about their, their life, and Joan was the main character. And one day, God appears to Joan in the form of a hunky college co-ed, and she is resistant to acknowledging that this is indeed God. And so there's a whole show about her wrestling with whether or not, and finally, because God will not go away, as God often does, uh, she recognizes that this is indeed God. And every show, God appears to her in a different character. Sometimes it's the bus driver or the custodian that has a special problem. And the story is built around how she engages with these people to perhaps help them or to learn something about herself. And the theme song was an old Joan Osborne song called, What If God Were One of Us? Just a slob like one of us making his way home. And what was fun about the show is every new episode, every time she encountered a character that you didn't see before, you wondered, is this God? Is this going to be God? You know, with the special message for the show. And what a great metaphor for how we live our lives, right? What if every person we encountered, we wondered, what if, is this God? How would we be different? How would our culture be different 
if we could see the divine in each and every person. One of the reasons I was so excited to come and be here with you all is to tell you how much your work matters. The position that you have taken and the ensuing repercussions of that matter. And they matter not only to the people that live in the community around West Hills Friends, and they matter not only to the Northwest Yearly Meeting folks, they matter to everyone who hears your story. And believe me, I tell your story all the time. Because I am moved by what you have done, by the careful discernment, by the prayerful discernment, and by taking a stand to where God is leading you, even though the meeting doesn't understand. Because friends, the church is not God. And God is not the church. Sometimes the church gets it wrong. Right? We, we as Christians, we gather around our teacher Jesus and we try to live out the things that he taught us to do. And in those worshiping communities, we build infrastructure to help us have vibrant ministries, to be able to keep the lights on and to have heat in the building and beautiful musicians and things. But sometimes in those institutions, in their navigating our, our church in the world, they get it wrong. I was nurtured in the church and grew up in the church and when it came time for me to answer God's call, I could not be ordained and be all of who God created to me to be. I had to leave the church that I loved and look for a new church home because the church got it wrong. I was saying in the huddle before that Peter Gomes was a scholar at Harvard and uh, one of his great books is uh, The Scandalous Gospel of Jesus. I love that title. And one of the things that he says in that title is, in that book is, if we're not offending someone, it's not the gospel. That sometimes standing in the message of radical inclusion and radical love ruffles the feathers of people. It shakes up the status quo which is exactly what Jesus did. When the culture had lost its way, when his own religious communities had, had lost their priorities, he shook up the status quo. Now I realize for some folks, feeling those repercussions and, and the releasing is painful. I acknowledge that. But you have one another to nurture each other through that. Because it, it's so important when our institutions fail our people that we speak out in Christian truth and love, which is exactly what you have done. And you know, the, the dominant message in our culture is that it's the gays versus God. And so many young Christians or young people do not know that there are Christian communities that embrace the LGBT community. They have no experience to process that. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. The 20-somethings are being raised by baby boomers who left the churches they grew up in. 
And so their idea of Christianity, they're getting from the media. They don't know there's a West Hills Friends. They don't know there's a United Church of Christ. They don't know the Jesus that you're showing. So you need to keep doing, I think you need to keep doing what you're doing to show that radical love, to stir the waters, because sometimes our institutions lose their way. Rely on the bread of life. It breaks us open, but it also frees us. It's also the place where we meet God, which is why we, one of the two sacraments of the church is when we break bread in communion and remember that God is here. I applaud your position. I know justice work. I, I, I've done it for 25 years with my own life. Justice work is not easy. Lean on each other when it's hard and know that your witness saves lives. And that's not dramatic. Our community has grown up hearing that we are an abomination. We have grown up hearing that God could not possibly love us. We need communities like West Hills Friends to show us that the church is sometimes wrong. And in that message of love and inclusion, I've seen it. Young people choose to not to hang on for one more day. Young people choose to see a little light where they've only been seeing darkness. Young people begin to let it in that maybe God could love me. Your witness matters. Your work matters. And I thank God for all the work that you have done in following Jesus, who is the bread of life. Amen.